Welcome to the Tennessee Achieves podcast, dedicated to and inspired by our students who for over a decade have broken cycles, conquered obstacles, overcome barriers, and exceeded expectations. In turn, our students have also inspired Tennessee Achieves, a nonprofit designed to increase the percentage of Tennessee students earning a college credential. Operating in partnership with Tennessee Promise, Tennessee Achieves works with thousands of high school students each year as they transition to and through college. We believe successful students result in thriving communities. The Tennessee Achieves podcast will share stories of students, their mentors who provide encouragement, and our countless partners who contribute to this movement. Each meant to leave you a bit smarter about transitioning from high school to college and a bit shrewder about navigating college. No one loves Tennessee Achieves more than me. Here we go. much for returning to the Tennessee Achieves podcast. I'm incredibly excited today to share with you two of our favorite mentors. Oftentimes when you hear about Tennessee Promise specifically, you hear about the last dollar component, free college, right? Uh, it's everywhere these days. Tennessee really providing the model for that when Governor Haslam took the program statewide in 2014. But for me, the heart and the magic of the program has always been our volunteer mentoring program. When we launched Knox Achieves in 2008, what we quickly realized is that the funding would provide a carrot to reach the target student, to move the needle for college going and ultimately college completion then in Knox County. But what we realized is that it would be a zero-sum game if we did not provide the support and encouragement that comes with lifting up our volunteer mentoring program. It's an amazing program as I now travel the country talking to other communities about the work we're doing in Tennessee and helping them walk through how a Tennessee promise could exist in their community. Uh, we often spend a great amount of time discussing the volunteer mentoring program. It's at the center of our work, and I will tell you, I have literally thousands of stories of students who actually never use dollars provided by Tennessee Promise being last dollar. Many of our students are fully funded by Pell or other grants and financial aid. But man, they talk about the difference that their mentor made in their lives. And so for me, I continue to think that really at the core of the work is our volunteer mentors. And again, today we have two of our mentors who both of which I, I believe began with us in 2011 as we began spreading Knox Achieves across Tennessee. Again, then still on privately raised dollars. But we I remember vividly meeting with both of these individuals. One, John Cagle, who is was at the time the assistant principal at Jefferson County High School, a neighboring county 
to Knox County where we had started the work and then meeting with Janice at the economic development vehicle in Sevier County, Janice Bettis, who has been a champion of our work. So I'm excited to share their stories with you today and have them really dig into why they believe the mentoring aspect is so important in their community. So good morning, guys. Thanks for being here. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having us. I'm so excited. So John, why don't we start with you? Why don't you tell me a little bit about who you are and uh, what brought you to Tennessee Achieves back, gosh, now that's been, math is hard. So that's been nine years ago. Uh, Native Tennessean, born and raised Jefferson County, uh, lived and worked and pretty much East Tennessee my entire life and uh, was fortunate enough to get into education. I was a late bloomer. I didn't figure out what I wanted to be till I was 29. So so I have a real heart for kids who are trying to figure out the next steps. And uh, being a first-time college student myself, I understand the barriers that they face. You know, we were just talking about filling out the FAFSA and kids who don't have internet access and things like picking a major. And, and you know, there, there's so many questions that Sometimes educated people, educated people, he said with air quotes. So, uh, think <laughs> I we like know, to editorialize. I know. So, uh, for, forget that I'm on a podcast <laughs> and I'm using air quotes. So that's great. <laughs> uh, but you know, there, there's so many things out there that we just expect kids to have the answers to. We've asked them all these unfair questions their whole life. You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And with technology changing so fast, chances are most kids are going to work in a field that doesn't even exist now. So. So to me, that you know, getting involved in Tennessee Promise was a no-brainer. I mean, you're, you're helping students figure it out. You're helping them get in the door. And these are kids. I, I kid a lot of my mentees sometimes to say, "Well, I'm doing this for you because I'll probably be working for you someday. I might be <laughs> raking your yard or being your driver or something. So I want you to be successful. So uh, that that that's why it really appealed to me to be a part of it. I remember meeting with you in the Jefferson, I don't know if you remember this, but we were at the Jefferson County Chamber the first time we met and how enthusiastic you were. And we walked out, I remember my small team at the time, we walked out like that guy just really gets it in a way that we hadn't had many of those conversations yet. And so your encouragement helped us sort of continue the push. So I love the story that you often tell about wanting to change your major and your mom was like nervous about that. First generation, I think stories are right. really incredible, right? So do you mind sharing that? No, story? no. I had went to a small junior college, Hawassi College, that has since gone out of business, but had a great experience there. Uh, 600 students. And then I went to UT with 30,000 students. A little different. Um, and, and really wanted to change my major at that time to education. Uh, and went home and asked my mother about it. And she said, no, you can't change anything. You've got to finish. And and she really thought that if you changed your major, you lost everything. You had to go back to go and start all over and you lost all your credits. And so I stayed in a bad major. Plus, I wasn't very motivated anyway. The, the allure of the strip got me a little bit. So uh, not not so much the bars, but all the great restaurants are, you know, on the strip. So. Uh, so I didn't change my major. And, and, you know, if we had had a little bit more information, uh, you know, I had great parental support, uh, but they just didn't know the process. They didn't know the process of getting in, staying in uh, and, and helping make some of those decisions. And so I have seen mentors in Tennessee promise make so many inroads just by answering a question. 
You know, what, what do I major in? You know, well, don't worry about the first two years. It's all the same. Nobody ever told me that. Nobody ever told me that. So that, that when, when we had that meeting at the Chamber of Commerce, I thought there, there's no downside to this. So many times in education, there's an initiative where, well, there's a catch. They're, yeah, well, they want this. But there was no downside. And so I, I remember I remember that meeting. I, I remember the first meeting we had at Jersey County High School. I was just, I've been sold on it since day one. So uh, uh, that it's an easy yes for me. So. Well, it's the, and, and what you're teasing out is the power of the resource. I remember if we roll back to 2009, when we first started the program, we had recruited 181 mentors that, that year. This year, nearly 10,000. Uh, mentors were recruited, which is just unreal, a record year for us. But every year a mentor had to step away. Every time a mentor had to step away, I would sort of assume the role of the mentor the first year. I really wanted to be like boots on the ground, still do in many ways. But for me, I was sitting across from a student and he was being raised by his grandmother. And I remember sort of stream of consciousness, like I tend to talk, just going through the process and walking through and maybe 10 minutes in, the grandmother said, now, wait a minute, you lost me at semester. What exactly is that? And that was a huge light bulb moment for me when we were growing the mentoring program. You don't have to have all the answers as a mentor. And oftentimes it's answering like, hey, it's okay not to go in without a declared major or, hey, this is what a FAFSA is or, hey, I don't even know what a FAFSA is, but I can help you figure it out, right? Here's who to ask. Well, and, and I've even told potential mentors, I don't know is a good answer. I mean, if a student asks you something that you don't know, the best answer you can give that kid is, I don't know, but I'll find out for you. And then they can, you know, because high school students have, they think they have no free time. You know, they're, they're going to school, they're working, they're trying to do extracurricular activities. So just having a mentor who will say, I, I don't know, but I can find out for you. And then call the college or call the local high school. Uh, any of the schools in Jefferson County or, or Sevier County or any of the schools who are a part of it have great guidance staff. So, you know, if you're a mentor, you don't know the answer, call the local high school and ask. And then get back in touch with that mentee and take all the credit that you knew it all along. So. <laughs> That's exactly right. You don't have to know all the answers to be a, a great mentor. And, you know, I also think that this is providing a trusted resource. Oftentimes, and I remember feeling like this, I also had great parents, but neither of them went to college. And I thought we were the only ones who didn't know. So asking sort of like shed light on the fact that like, hey, no one in my family went to college and this is scary and intimidating, but I didn't want anyone to know that. And so the mentor-mentee relationship like demystifies that. It's a, it's a trusted resource and you can go to them and ask whatever silly, and I did air quotes, silly question you might have. I've always thought the money was probably the third most important thing about the scholarship. Now, there are people throwing rocks at their radio or their iPads, however they're listening to this right now. But I mean, with, with the mentor providing the guidance and support and just a helping hand, and then the community service, getting kids to have that servant heart to give back to their communities, and then the money, you know, that's that's kind of the way I look at it, because if we, if we can help kids and then help them develop a servant heart to giving back, this is all going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy that's really going to transform the East Tennessee corridor and really the whole state of Tennessee now. I love that. 
All right, Janice, why don't you share a little bit about yourself? Well, I too am a first-time college attendee. My grandfather came out of the coal mines in Kentucky, and I think he went to the fourth grade, and my mom and dad graduated from high school. So I was really determined that I was going to be the first one to get that college degree. And I, I had no help. I mean, you know, nobody knew what to do to help me. But, um, and then when you first came and talked about this program, I was so excited because my background, I've spent most of my adult life in education. I worked at East Tennessee State University at the College of Medicine. And then when I moved to this area, I worked at Walter State Community College. So it was a natural thing for me to do. I knew people at Walter State. If I didn't know those answers, I knew who I could call. And um, in my life, what what gives me joy is being able to help other people. So this was just, you know, why would I say no? Well, I remember you jumping in <laughs> and being like the ultimate helper in the beginning. How crowded was it that first time? Do you remember the meeting that we had in oh, the yes. RV park in Sevier County? Do you remember yes. that meeting <laughs> way back in the day? We have all sorts of lore, Tennessee Achieves lore, and I often talk about you and I trying to sign in like literally swarms of people, which I think speaks volumes for the program because we really, I think in the beginning, me specifically, underestimated how many students would come to us. And I remember calling you saying, where can we go in Sevier County that will hold the number of applicants that we have? Yeah, it's, it's been a really interesting process to watch the changes and watch it grow and um, how we've solved problems. And when you talk about resources, I remember when I was in graduate school, I had an open book test one day and I thought this is going to be, you know, easy. And it was the hardest test I've ever taken. And I remember the professor saying, it's not about what you can remember but knowing where to find the answers. Hmm. And that's what we do as mentors, is help these students find the answers to the questions they have. And it's so fulfilling. What do you think this is meant for, you work out of the economic engine for Sevier County. What do you think it, it has meant for your community? I mean, so Sevier County had a program that was providing dollars when we came and sat down with you and Alan to talk about Tennessee Achieves. But as Tennessee Promise has grown, what do you think that's done in the community? Well, it's, a, it's, it's done a lot of things for us. In 2003, uh, Sevier County, the county and the three cities, started putting up money to give scholarships to students to attend Walter State Community College. They built a campus in, in Sevierville, and uh, economic development got involved because they wanted to um, maintain the campus, make sure it was viable, and give all the students in Sevier County an opportunity to go there. So this has just been an additional growth to the program that we started a long time ago. And now I have the opportunity of leading up a foundation that that has built on Tennessee Achieves because once students complete their Tennessee Achieves at the community college, we give scholarships for them to attend East Tennessee State University in Sevierville, allowing students to graduate debt-free with a four-year degree. So it's just, it's been a real interesting process to watch and grow and 
I love that though. I mean, I think about the opportunities that have grown from the Tennessee Promise because when we first launched the program, I think many were worried that this was about funneling students into community colleges. But what it really does for me is it levels the playing field. Everyone is college material. Everyone can go to college. And then there are opportunities like your program providing a transfer scholarship to ETSU. So students get two years of a great education at the community college. They're still earning their bachelor's degree on the other side at a great institution like ETSU. We now have the UT Promise uh, recently cropping up. And so I think that Promise has really provided the momentum uh, for other things uh, in terms of communities deciding what's the most important thing for our students, Promise providing the foundation, and then communities deciding like, okay, what can we do to build on this really solid foundation? Do you think that's fair? Well, our research, we uh, there was a report that came out of Nashville that said in Sevier County, um, only 18% of adults 24 to 64 have any kind of an advanced degree, uh, whether it be a certificate, a community college degree, or a four-year degree. And our ultimate goal is to grow those numbers because uh, the reason economic development got involved in it is they wanted to um, have a better trained, better educated workforce because we're always looking for people to go to work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's a huge part of this. It's it's about the warm and fuzzy. Let's give every student the opportunity to reach their potential. But it also is a huge economic development, workforce development initiative. It definitely is. So I, I think it does an amazing job at both those things. So talk to me, John, about your experience every year as a mentor? Is it a great amount of time, a small amount of time? Walk me through that experience. Well, I'm going to approach it for most people who don't work in education because it's kids are what I do. And so everybody's going to say, well, it's easy for you. You work with kids all the time. Really outside of my normal job, I think all your publications say it takes about an hour a month. It's truly less than that. Uh, Again, most of the high schools that I know, especially in this area, do a fantastic job getting them ready. Every high school in Sevier County, Jefferson County High School, all the, the schools in Knoxville, Hamlin County. So a lot of the stuff that kids will ask you, their guidance counselors are going to take care of. What they're looking for are is just somebody to encourage them. I mean, if I could pick any other word besides mentor for what adults do in Tennessee Chiefs, they'll be cheerleaders. Mm -hmm. Just helping kids believe, okay, you can do this. You can get through this. You know, ask your counselor or, or I'll find out. I don't know, but I'll find out for you. So so it's truly less than an hour a month. And and, and with the way kids use technology, I mean, it, it's a few texts here and there. Uh, I, I'm a handwritten note guy. I do notes. I love, <laughs> I'm going to wind up spending a lot more money on this podcast because one of my favorite card shops is right down the street. So uh, I won't plug them because I know I can't do that. But uh, <laughs> We take sponsorships. Yeah, Ra Rolla, Rolla and the Old City is a great card shop. <laughs> we so. love Rolla here also. Rolla is a great. But, I mean, most of the kids, they live on their phones. And so you're texting them and you're just giving them your number. And in the, in the nine years that I've been a mentor – 
And the, the kids, all the mentors that I've given my cell number to, I've never gotten a prank call. I've never gotten a prank text. So I know that's kind of a fear for a lot of adults, but they, they really do see you as a lifeline. You know, if, if they need to use it, they will. If all you're doing is following up on the emails that come out from, from your office, that's great. But it's truly less than an hour a month and, and the impact it has. Um, I, I would love to see more businesses support their employees by giving them PTO to be a mentor or flex time or something because the give back and, and the, the return on the investment we're going to get is huge for these adults. Yeah, there's a huge ROI. And I always feel like I actually receive more than I give from the students, no doubt. especially when I'm thinking about how to grow the program. If you actually listen to what the students are saying, the program sort of lays itself out for you. I feel like every evolution of Tennessee Achieves has really come from us listening to what students need. And that's been ever changing over the last decade. Well, I'll give you a great example on that. I went to eat in a local restaurant in the this kid obviously had just gotten off work and he had his grimy uniform on. And But he went to TCAT using Tennessee Promise, got in the welding program, and is already working for a brand new company in Jefferson County, Oshkosh, which I, I believe they located in Jefferson County because of things like Tennessee Promise. He's already working with them and he's not quite through TCAT. And he was, you know, he thanked me. And I remember this particular kid, he... He never responded to any of my texts. He, he, he'd come to the meetings and we'd talk, but there was no connection outside. I, I thought this is just not one I've connected with. But he came up and thanked me for helping him get a good job. And I, I literally looked at him and said, I didn't do anything. He said, yeah, but you were there. You know, and, and that I went back to my table and that was a big aha moment. You know, sometimes even when you feel like you're not making impact, you are just because you're, you're available, you're willing. The nudges matter. I love that story. Uh, Janice, how about you? Experience, walk me through. I often still lead the Sevier County meeting. So I see you at your cafeteria <laughs> table after you've helped me check all the students in, of course, uh, working with your group. So walk me through what your experience has been like. Well, sometimes I feel like, am I really making a difference? You know, And I have had as many as 10 students. I think this semester I have eight and probably three or four of those students are going to a four-year college. So they won't continue to be, but I always tell them that if they go somewhere else and they have a question to call me because I'll help them find the answer. Um, but I, one student stands out particularly to me. She had test anxiety. And every time she would have a test, she would send me a text. And all I would do was say, you've got this, you can do this, you know? and um, I really think just being a cheerleader for her made a huge difference. And, and I feel like, so if I have eight students and I don't hear from any of them, but I send that reminder that they're supposed to attend a meeting or they have to get their eight hours community service in and they do that and that helps them maintain their eligibility. I've done what I was here to do. Yeah, I mean, it's huge, right? I mean, that ultimately the mentors are here to provide encouragement, to be the cheerleader, but you're also there to be that conduit to make sure that they are hearing what the requirements are to remain eligible for the program. I, I mean, I think ultimately there's so much baked into the mentoring program, but those nudges are huge. 
Well, it's, you know, it's easy for them to meet these requirements, but when somebody falls through the cracks, it's just like, oh no, because they've lost that opportunity. And I'll have students come and they'll say they're going somewhere else to school, but at the meetings, I truly emphasize staying focused on that Tennessee Promise eligibility because I have had students come back to me and say, something happened and I didn't get to go to that school I was going to, but I had lost my opportunity for Tennessee Achieves because I didn't stay in the system. So um, one day I was at um, Gallenberg Pittman High School and meeting with one of the counselors and she told me about two girls at GP that were homeless students and they were so determined that they were going to go to community college, that they were gonna make a better life for themselves. And you know, if we can help people like that, I mean, that's what it's all about. It's amazing to me. And we often combat sort of what I refer to as the numbers game, especially with our newer mentors. They want to feel successful. So if we give them seven mentees in the beginning and they end up with one, they feel like they failed, right? Because six of their students didn't make it through the Tennessee Promise Program. Well, first, I always say, if they went to UT or Carson Newman or ETSU, that's a huge win. They're still on their path to a post-secondary credential. Um, but saving one, it's one human being. It's not a widget. Um, and that's huge. And and for me, uh, we're doing an initiative right now, a pilot called Knox Promise, and we're doing some deep dive uh, with some students who maybe need more. And the homelessness issue is much larger uh, than I think I ever realized. I've been doing this for 12 years. So I love that you have the perspective of, even if it's one student, it's a really big deal. It is. It's a huge deal. John, tell me, um, as an assistant principal um, and now as interim principal at a middle school, do you think this is changing the culture at the school? I feel like when I, if I, I'm a lifelong Tennessean as well, Warren County High School, we didn't have a college going culture when I graduated from high school in 97. Do you feel like that's changing? And do you think Promise played a role in that? Without a doubt. And it's hitting earlier than high school because everybody knows about Tennessee Promise. So, you know, I, I stopped to get a coffee this morning and, and I met a friend of mine whose kids are in elementary school and he asked me where I was going and I told him, he said, uh, well, you got to keep that Tennessee Promise till my kids get to high school. So, <laughs> I hear that everywhere. Like I'm in charge of Tennessee Promise. Is that going away anytime soon? Uh, so, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, Mr. Boyd, I gave, him, I gave you credit for the program, trust me. But, <laughs> but yes, I mean, because now you've taken away every, everybody's excuses. Because you can't say, well, I, you know, my family never went to college or we're not going to have the money or there's no excuses. And so now when kids walk in the door of a high school, that's a given. OK, we're, we're, we're not talking if you do post-secondary, it's where you're going to do post-secondary. And the fact that Tennessee Promise even opened up to the, the uh, technical schools was huge. Um, you know, we were talking before the podcast started about college debt and, you know, with, with Tennessee Promise and going to a technical school to become a welder at Oshkosh and making $40,000 a year right off the bat with no debt, 
think about the impact that's having on communities. Now I have disposable income I can spend in my community and I can spend on childcare or retail or restaurants and that's that's creating jobs. So it, it, it has really drastically changed the way we talk to students. It's, we, we, you know, when I was in school, you had the kids who were going to college, kids who were going vocational and then everybody else. Now that everybody else is, okay, everybody's going post-secondary. You know, whether you need Tennessee Promise or not, everybody we're going to have this conversation with. And that's really opening eyes and opening hearts and, and getting kids to buy in earlier to the process of education. Well, and I think it also is changing conversations around kitchen tables. I remember the dread that I saw on my dad's face when I was accepted to a private institution. I only applied to one school and I got in and I remember like he was pretending to be excited. But now at 40 years old, I realized he was calculating the expense of what I had just been accepted into. And I think about how parents who like mine and like yours, John, were incredibly supportive, but also couldn't figure out how to pay for it. And that has to be, if the students don't get it, like we were talking about earlier, the parents have to understand the gravity of it. Without a doubt. In fact, my, my mother, if I could put the, 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 the honor of why I continue to do this on one person, besides you, you've been a great cheerleader for me, but my mother, my mother, when she first heard about Tennessee Promise, she just hung her head and she said, I wish there had been something like that when I was in school. She, she was lucky to go to secretarial school, Knox Business College right down the road. But she said, I wish there could be, could have been something. So every girl I meet, I kind of say that, that that's going to be somebody's mother. And I'll tell you another place that's changing the conversations is in teachers' lounges. For years, teachers would have conversations and it was so easy to spot the kids, you know, oh, Ben Sterling, he'll go to Harvard. You know, he, he's got it, you know, uh, or Chrissy, you know, Chrissy's going to be a wonderful doctor or lawyer. But it was those other kids that just broke your heart. Mm. Oh, if they just had a chance to prove what they could do. Mm. Now the teachers' lounges are, hey, we got to keep this kid supported because with Tennessee Prom- Tennessee Promise, they're going to be able to go do something after high school. So now the conversations within teachers are changing because now we don't have to wring our hands and worry about the kids who aren't going to go. Every kid has the possibility to go. So every teacher can lift up that kid and tell that student, hey, with Tennessee Promise, you can get in. You can get in and you can you can live whatever dream you've got. So that, that's really been gratifying as an educator to see the educator buy in. I think my heart just grew 10 times its size. John, it like made my day. So that I love that. And I love the fact that you know, we we talk about the success rate of a student who earned a 16 on the ACT, right? And they're being successful with this program. And so you hear the stories and you hear the anecdotes, but as a metrics-driven nonprofit, we're also watching the numbers. And what we're finding is if you do give a kid a shot, they can rise to the occasion. Well, and I'm even leaving proof of that. I had a 28 on my ACT, okay? So by every metric possible, I, I was destined for success. It took me 12 years to get my four-year degree, okay, because I was not motivated. I had questions that I didn't know where to ask, even though I had super supportive parents. I, I let a lot of the stuff kind of drag me down. So just because a student has a 28 doesn't mean they're, they don't need help. Just because a student has a 16 or, or a 14 doesn't mean that they can't earn a livelihood, you know, through Tennessee Promise. 
Yeah, and it's often, unfortunately, driven by income and zip code, right? I mean, places like Sevier County, I'm sure, Janice, there are pockets um, all over Sevier County where students still don't have internet. That's what we're talking about. So how can they find success in this digital age without internet? They don't have, but the other thing is people look at Sevier County and they think, oh, we're rich because we have all this tourism and all these dollars are spent there. But um, I think the last time I looked, it was something close to 70% of the students in the public schools are on free and reduced lunch. So going to college is not something they grow up thinking about. But because of Tennessee Promise, it is it is available to them. And you know, whether you, if you go to school to be a teacher and you're never a teacher, you've gained those life skills, you've gained those Problem solving skills, I just, I'm an advocate of education. I don't think you can ever get too educated. And and I'm old, but nothing thrills me more than learning something new. And I just would love for everybody to um, have that passion, you know, because I think you can be energized by learning something new. Yeah, you're breaking cycles, right? That's what I I think we often talk about here. We're in the business of breaking cycles. I, I, neither of my parents went to college then, and we didn't talk about going to college in my house. And then I went to college and now my three kids talk about going to college all the time. They change their minds just like all the students that I know every day, it's a it's a different place, but it is a college going culture in my household now. And so we're, we're breaking cycles to your point. Well, the thing we haven't talked about, Chrissy, and I am not in public education like John is, but I have a daughter who teaches seventh grade and she tells me these stories every day of these students she has that are being raised by their grandparents, their great grandparents, or they don't know where they're going to sleep tonight. And, you know, and that encouragement we can give them as mentors means everything because they don't have it. They're not like our kids. They don't have somebody telling them every day, you know, that they can do this or it's possible that. And it's more and more students we see every day that are falling into that gap. Yeah, I mean, I think time and again, I always come back to at its core, the mentoring program is there to encourage. We can do this together, right? You have someone in your corner. Having someone in your corner, I think, is just the biggest deal, especially when you're out on a limb doing something new for the very first time. I think that's great. And the biggest thing is just that they know somebody cares. That's right. So why do you keep coming back every year, Janice? Why do you come back to, I mean, I know because you get a sad email from me like, Janice, where are you? We need you. (laughs) But outside of that email, what brings you back every year? Well, you know, you don't even have to ask me. I'm going to be there. (laughs) (laughs) I just so believe in what we're doing, you know, and I think it's important. And as long as I'm able, I intend to continue being a Tennessee Achieves mentor. I'm going to get that email to you every year. So <laughs> be looking for it. What about you, John? What brings you back year after year? You also get that email from me. Uh, I've got a very short list of my sort of forces for good. And you guys are, are certainly two of those. Well, don't send me an email because I'm going to do it anyway. I mean, Jan- <laughs> Janice and I are two emails you don't have to send. So, uh, you know, it, it, again, it's, it's what I go back to the mentor. And like you said, encouraging those kids. I mean, 
it's not the money, it's not the scholarship. The best thing you can give a young person is a chance. There's nothing more powerful on earth than a motivated young person. And if you can give that kid a chance and just get out of their way and let them prove to themselves even that they can do this. So, you know, it, it's, I, I do it because of the John Cagles out there that, that needed some help. I, I do it because of my mom. I do it because of my kids. My kids were lucky enough. They didn't have to take advantage of it. But we all know somebody. We all know somebody in our life, past life, working with right now, that if they had just had one more opportunity, they could have been maybe the next Randy Boyd or the next Barack Obama or the next Bill Haslam. You know, that they just needed a chance. I'm insanely thankful for both of you for being a part of enriching student lives and, and certainly making Tennessee Achieves better. Uh, I can't tell you how grateful the entire team is for you both. So thank you. And thanks for being here. So we're going to end like we end all podcasts with these three questions. This is meant to be sort of the lighter, funner part. Funner? Is that a word even? Funner. We're going to run with it. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so much That'll for that uh, higher education for me uh, today. But all right. First, first question is, what was your favorite class? I mean, it could be your college class, a graduate school class, favorite class. Uh, Foundations of Education at the University of Tennessee under Dr. Bill Butefish. What made it so good? He was, he didn't accept less than my best. And when I would turn in a paper and see that mine were as good as anybody else's, but my grades were lower, he actually said, yes, but you're not writing to your potential. So he, he reminded me not to measure myself against others, but to measure myself against my best. I love that. What a great lesson. Mm -hmm. That's great. What about you, Janice? You said before the podcast, you didn't know. You got one now? Well, I can quickly tell you my two least favorite. <laughs> we always remember those, right? Uh, I didn't like speech and I didn't like economics. I, when I was in undergraduate school, I guess accounting was my favorite. I don't know why. Um, That's actually a really good skill to have. But um, in graduate school, um, one of he taught several classes, uh, Dr. Bruce Beringer, and he was over the community uh, health program at the College of Medicine. And um, he pushed me every day, and he's the one that I had the class that was the open book test. And he would make us get up and talk in front of the class. But it was just the life skills I learned from him um, and the encouragement I got from him every day. I love that. All right, so second question. Favorite book? Do you have a favorite book that you've ever read or a favorite book for? I always sort of, mine's ever evolving. So it's sort of a favorite book for right now, but. I, I'm the same way. And, 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 and I got hooked on reading through comic books, but I'm, I'm going to try to give you a grown up answer here. Okay. <laughs> uh, for me, it's, it's, I always go back to, to Kill a Mockingbird, mm. you know, Atticus Finch defending the oppressed. It's just, this classic. I think we've had, did Anthony Wise say that was his favorite book? So that's our second. Maybe we should keep a tally. That's good. Well, I am an avid reader. I have always loved to read. I was sick when I was little and we didn't have TVs back then. And I was in, in bed. I couldn't get up. So that's where I developed my love for reading. So I've always loved to read. Uh, I love reading books about leadership. And of course, my favorite one is the Bible, I guess, because I think we learn lessons from it every day. 
and yeah, wherever we Randy are in Boyd's our life. also answers. So yeah, we got a tally going <laughs> now. That's really good. Any um, specific leadership book, Janice? I'm like a avid leadership book reader. Got any good ones for I me? I can't think right you now. You email me when we get off. I will. Let me know. <laughs> okay. And then finally, if you could have coffee with anyone, who would you have coffee with? I would have to say, I wish I could have coffee with my dad. He was um, he was my hero and he's been gone 30 some years. And I would just love an opportunity to sit down and talk to him and um, talk to him about all the things I've accomplished and um, the people I've helped because that I think that's where I get my love for helping others came from my dad. I love that. That's, hmm. Well, I was going to say Chrissy and Ben, but <laughs> I'm having coffee right now with them. So uh, I, I would like to have one last cup of coffee with my dad as well, just if, for nothing else, just to thank him. Uh, also, uh, Harrison Ford, because yeah. I'm a big fanboy. Let me um, tell you, I don't think this should be out um, in the public, but I'm saying it now. He is here often and breakfast I, frequently at Ollie B at my husband's I, place. I, I, I rented a car His one time. Morristown. Yeah, Calista Flockhart. Her I did family, not know her that. family lives in Marstown. I rented a car one time that he had rented just before. So that's my that's as close <laughs> as I'll get to. That's as close as I'll get to the Millennium Falcon. But also, and, and this is going to be very self-serving and. and they're going to mock me for this, but I would love to have a cup of coffee with Randy Boyd. Ah. I, I would love to sit down with him and say, you know, I, I know you could buy me 10 times over, but you've given so much of your time and money back to East Tennessee and, and just to see what drives him and, and what his vision was. I, I love to talk to people like that. You know, what, what, what motivated you to, to turn all this money and give it around and you know, give it back? That, that would be exciting. We could probably make that happen for you, John. I'll buy the, I'll buy the coffee. Time. Yeah. I'll buy the coffee. <laughs> well, thank you again for being here. Uh, this has been super fun, and you're two of my favorite people on the planet, so I appreciate you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.